They're trying to steal my bad flag. <laughs> so to another episode of Geek Chew, podcast where we talk about the pop culture stuff we like. I'm Eamon. I'm Charlene. And our intro music was by my brother Ryan of military wife fame, Ithaca, <laughs> New York, 1996-ish. Military wife? I thought it was Phantom Limb. That was the second one, the second band, I think. But his, his first, his freshman year, I think, was and in maybe into his sophomore year. I'll have to I'll have to check his bio. <laughs> anyway, okay. military wife, good name for a band. I guess to, I feel like I can relate to that somehow mm, on so many levels. Yeah, so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week we're going to be talking about uh, a new comic book that came out from Image, uh, Generation Gone, uh, season seven of Game of Thrones, premiered last weekend. Mm-hmm. episode two is coming out tomorrow so oh my we're gosh. behind the curve we're not going to be able to watch it together yeah we'll have to watch it separately not, not together <laughs> that's right have we ever done that um i don't think with a new episode no but i don't think even with the other episodes i think we've watched all of it together yeah right yeah that's correct if being a military wife gets in the way of our Game of Thrones time, I am finally just not okay with it. <laughs> That's your red line. Yeah. <laughs> I see. <laughs> We're also talking about The Big Sick and Dunkirk, mm-hmm. which... New Christopher Nolan. Uh, we spent we spent a couple late nights at the movie theater this week. Yes. Working around work schedules. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So before that, did you have any extra stuff from the week? Or the last two weeks, I guess we do this every two weeks. Yeah, we... Started watching Bob's Burgers. Why hadn't we? I know seven this? seasons, and we're just we're just catching on now. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's, it's really funny. I mean, it's so funny. Yeah, I mean, probably my new favorite. Just to play in the background while comedy we're... cartoon show ever. Maybe. I don't even care that it's a cartoon. <laughs> no. Like it's just hilarious. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things you don't even really watch it in order because. It's yeah. on all the time in the house now, and Tegan yeah. just jumps around to different shows. And Although they're I, all funny, so. I have heard that like there is continuity, continuity right. across. So, you know, also tried Rick and Morty last night, which I've heard tons of good things about. I think the third season's getting ready to come out, and that was less funny than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but I mean, I walked into the last literally forty-five seconds of the show. Maybe three minutes, yeah. so not 45 seconds. <laughs> well, I was thinking about, yeah. Figuratively, the last 45 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that might have been the worst part of the show, because it was, I mean, it didn't even make any sense. It was just annoying. Uh, yeah, well, it didn't but we'll pull see. me in to want to watch another. No, and Courtney is sitting there swearing up and down that episode two is actually funny. And I mean, it's got to be. I've heard too many good things about it. Well. But I guess we'll try episode two. Maybe. Um, San Diego Comic-Con is this week. Yeah. I haven't looked at a lot of the news coming out. Do you know why? Because they released things that we're not allowed to see yet. 
And so who cares? Right. Like if I'm not there, whatever. Yeah. I mean, they did uh, the Eisners also last night, oh, I think. Jeff, uh, Jeff Lemire won uh, Best New Series for Black Hammer because it's really good. All right, maybe I should get back into it. You really should. I mean, you only read the first issue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's um, it's very good. I think they're up to 10 or 11 now, and they had an annual too that was that was good. I usually, I mean, I could take or leave the annual issues for most series, but that one was good. Um, so there was... They're, I guess they're doing a, you know, the Justice League panel uh, mm-hmm. today. And then yesterday, uh, a bunch of news broke about how the Warner Brothers is looking at moving on from Ben Affleck as Batman, which is Already? Very, very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, he was going to direct it and then they had a script and Matt Reeves came in and he's going to direct it and write his own script. And he's looking at a trilogy and they're thinking about like in the future for the second and third movies in that series and Ben Affleck's going to be like in his fifties and I don't know. And I, you know, I don't think the role has really gone the way he wanted it to. So they're trying to steal my bad flag. So sad. <laughs> they also had a, I didn't actually watch like the trailer for defenders, which comes out next, next month on Netflix. Oh, but I did see the, um, the last few seconds is the Punisher kind of revealed in his, Punisher gear, you know, his big skull on his chest. It looks cool. John Bernthal's, he, he worked his way into my, uh, my favorites list. Cause oh, <laughs> well, that's good. Punisher was really good in Daredevil season two. And then his role in baby driver is, uh, as previously discussed, entertaining. He's been in a, a few other things lately too. I just can't. He was in the walking dead. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a jerk, which we didn't watch past season yeah. one. But I don't know what else he's. I don't know what else he's been mm. in. But did you have any anything else? Not really. I mean, I haven't done really a whole lot. I've tried to get some reading in, but yeah. nothing new. So yeah, we're gonna try it. Well, we're still working on Autumn, right. which was the next book in our in our book club. But mm-hmm. uh, I need to not sit in the living room and read it when the TV is on. So like I I feel like so you I need do to not watch TV instead of reading. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying like even when the kids are doing, it's just distracting. Yeah. Um. So I need a little reading corner or something where I can. No. Yeah. I think we're gonna try to do the Gunslinger books next, though, which will be my first Dark foray. Tower. Dark Tower. Yes. Books. Uh, first foray into Stephen King novels at all. That's which, a it's a good start weird, for you though. But, no, I mean that's a good that's a good place to get into yeah. some Stephen King. It is really weird though that you've never read any other Stephen King. Mm, well, weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> I did go uh, by myself to see War for the Planet of the Apes, right? Uh, which was really good. I heard Speaking it was really of good. Matt Reeves, who is you know now rewriting and directing Batman, he also wrote this. It was interesting talking to. I didn't talk to him, listening to him talk to somebody else <laughs> on another podcast. You know, these these uh, Planet of the Apes movies, it's not really like our thing, but they're very popular, obviously. Yeah, I like them, but it's not like a, hey, yeah, I wasn't let's gonna rush go out see to the theater and go see it. In the theater. Uh, but heard him talk about it, and the uh, he directed the second one as well, and he got brought on late, and it was kind of condensed timeline, two years condensed timeline to make... Uh, 
what was it? It's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, if you're, I, dude, I have no idea. <laughs> like I said, yeah, I, I just they're they're all sort of like blurred into one thing. For right. me, like I just know the story. Um, and then he talked about this third one and how they worked on the script for about a year, and then you know go into all this production. There's there's not like a scene in the movie without these computer generated apes, which is crazy. I can't imagine. I mean, they look they look good. It's mm-hmm. but the trick of the the movie, I guess, is that you know you're you're watching this Planet of the Apes movie and following these characters as just like characters, like real, you know, almost people. I don't know. It's still follows the same ape Caesar and mm-hmm. then kind of his character development and all the people around him. It was it was really good. Um, Woody Harrelson was good in it. I keep watching, um, that's two movies in a row, I think, that I've kind of, as I'm watching, identified something in it that I was like, oh, I I can actually see, like, this influence. Like, Woody Harrelson's kind of like Marlon Brando's character in uh, Apocalypse Now. and I don't think I've ever seen Apocalypse Now. I saw it once in, like, a, um, a theater with my dad when I was a teenager. Um don't remember it being my bag at the time, <laughs> but, uh, you know, well, at we're one not point, really like war movie people. Right. Interestingly enough. Right. <laughs> for, for this episode, especially. Yeah. I mean, at one point I could have sworn he, he was even doing like a Brando impression in one of, <laughs> one of his line readings. Uh, and I was like, oh, I can't believe I saw that. And then, you know, later in the movie, there's they're down in this subterranean level and it just says apocalypse now on the wall. And I'm like, well, that kind of steals my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I don't know. The same thing happened to me with, uh, when we were watching Spider-Man and Vulture mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that, he's talking to Peter. I'm like, this is kind of like a Springsteen song. And then Robert Downey Jr. explicitly like calls him like a Springsteen villain or I don't remember <laughs> what he said at the end, but whatever. Anyway, there's no point to that. <laughs> <laughs> what um, do you want? Oh, do you have more stuff? No. <laughs> well, then what do you want? To, what do you want to start with? I guess the book. Do you want to do? Oh, okay. Right. I was going to say movie, book, movie, or book, movie, movie. We also have the Game of Thrones stuff too. Yeah. Why don't we start with Game of Thrones first? Yeah, let's hit on it real quick, though. I don't want to spend too much time. Right. So I don't know. I guess the highlights for me were, I mean, this is only like the fourth or fifth, maybe cold open for the show. And it's uh, Arya and her kind of uh, revenge on uh, the Frey house for betraying the Starks. Yeah, and, I think it goes without saying that there's going to be like a spoil. Like we can't, you just can't right. talk about Game of Thrones without giving a little bit away. So yeah. sorry. I mean, I, I really liked I, I like the scene. I've I've heard some um, concerns over Arya's arc from other places. Like, well, because if you really love her character, you can see a really dark path that she's taking. And the thing is, with this show, as it has established from the first season, you don't know what is going to happen to your favorite characters, to the people that you think that the story is about. Yeah. It it could go very badly for you as a viewer. I think it's interesting that people are expressing this level of concern now when her her whole arc has been 
yeah. listing the people she wants to kill, training as an assassin. Um, maybe it's just like the scope of what she she did in not, that opening scene. Like, not only that, the lack of emotion in in what she, in her actions. I mean, almost sociopathic. Yeah. Where emotionless slash i mean maybe even not emotionless but but enjoying like true enjoyment not just enjoyment from getting revenge but the act of what the physical act of murder (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know it's tough it's tough but that doesn't mean i i dislike it right i mean like everybody goes through things and she started out this journey as a really young person yeah and uh i don't know it was i thought a really cool scene and then a really nice stinger the north the north remembers and winter is here Mm -hmm. um before they cut to the credits opening credits Mm -hmm. um i don't know we can jump around there's the the tension at winterfell between john and sansa which people are concerned about but I don't know. They seem to be at least communicating and handling it sort of well. I mean, there was a lot in this episode. Uh, so much. Bran is now back uh, south of the wall or at the wall. And Sam is at the Citadel. Um, there was a montage oh, gosh, that we don't even I need can't. to talk about. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know why you just brought it up because I can't. <laughs> things, um, a lot of things don't make me queasy, but this did. Yeah. It was nasty, and I just can't. I don't want to think about it. Let's move on. A lot of bedpan action, but the, <laughs> it's. I think it was mostly the sloshing. Yeah. Okay. The, moving on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's theories on the internet about Sansa, and her hair is done the same way as Cersei's was earlier in the series, and how I just don't don't buy any of that. Cersei has some kind of influence. Oh, I do for sure because I mean it's over her actions though, not over what her no over how she makes decisions right and how she fights for her no, family that yes but people are you know, oh that she's somehow control being like right which yeah. is not I, I just don't see it no, she hates everything. cersei <laughs> but also respects her yeah. as a as a power figure speaking of cersei are you moving to that next yeah yeah she's unhinged. she's gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean unhinged right so the big thing was like her her kids were the only thing that was even, you know, sort of kind of holding her back. And now they're all gone. Well, not holding her back, but keeping her compassionate in any way. No. So they're all gone because, you know, in, in light of the prophecy coming true, you know, that, you know, she was trying so hard to avoid that. She basically made it happen. It's one of those things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that I heard on uh, the Binge Mode podcast was, you know, when her and Jamie are standing on that big map. So there's the prophecy. We talked about this. Yeah. Again, spoilers, whatever. Um, one of the things they left out of the TV show prophecy was that she would die um, by the hand, by the of, hand her of her little brother. Yeah, Valonqar is what they call it, which is just little brother, which by strangulation, basically. Uh, and everybody you know, kind of assumed that that was Tyrion. Well, she assumed it was Tyrion. Right. And I think a lot of readers probably did at least initially, but she was also born right before her twin brother, Jamie. And as they're standing on the, uh, the map, 
she's standing on the neck and he's standing on the fingers on those areas on the map. Oh. So, uh, I don't know who noticed that, but <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, that's some real analyzing yeah. going on. It's crazy how much, uh, and you know, s- some of these things, I don't, I don't necessarily think how? that was a mistake, but some of these things have got to be just people like picking on something and trying to see if it was meant to be there and it's not really that, mm-hmm. but, um, there's so much like foreshadowing and repetition in the series itself that, uh, it's pretty impressive when you hear people talk about it in, in ways where it's clearly purposeful. Mm-hmm. The long game for this series is amazing. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. It's hard to, to stay on like a path that makes sense. Yeah. Also, I and mean, you have so many of those kinds of details and interactions and characters with important roles and, you know, like things sometimes, but like, yeah. Also at King's Landing, Yoron there with his uh, fleet of ships from the Iron Islands and looking like he wants to be a rock pirate. Right? I mean, I've a lot of, a lot of feedback that I was hearing was like um positive on people's <laughs> uh how they felt about his his new look. I mean, and I thought it, it was ridiculous. Okay. So like Pulling that look out of the show, not a bad look. In the show, it feels out of place. Yeah. It feels really weird. Yeah. Um, Because you've never seen anything else like that. So, like, who designed this, like... I mean, like, I feel like I would wear that jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit of a cleaned-up version, but still. I mean... Speaking of like things that didn't really belong in the show, I wasn't even, I was going to complain about it initially, but I think there's been such like a, a backlash. I saw that Ed Sheeran deleted his Twitter account because of the negative uh, Oh my gosh. Negative I've just already like. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, he, he deleted really... his Twitter account? Ooh, yeah. why not just take a break? I mean, because it, it still piles up, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if I was offered a chance to be in Game of Thrones, I wouldn't say no either. It's not like he did something wrong. They just right. probably shouldn't have put him in. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And the weird song. Anyway, yeah, yeah. that wasn't that wasn't my fave. Um, it was kind of like, what? But, all right. I mean, there was a whole thing with the Hound. Uh, or There was a quite a, a big part of the episode was the Hound with, in the uh, Brotherhood Without Banners. Yeah. Um, and, and his story arc and... And then, you know, the big thing at the end was Danny finally coming back to Westeros, you know, um, lands at uh, Dragonstone and that whole scene of her getting back in to, uh, to her family's home. And um, I don't know if you wanted to talk about it because you were, I mean, it was, there was no words. There was, it was just supposed, it was like this yeah. emotional, powerful homecoming that. No, it, it I don't, I mean, I do kind of want to move on from 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 this but um i mean because there really is so much to talk about so i feel like if we were going to talk about it's gonna get get very long (laughs) um like we probably could have done like a whole half of half an episode but we have to we need to do weekly episodes i mean we really do (laughs) but um yeah and then at the end she says shall we begin which they used uh so effectively and so repetitively in legion like that's all like 
automatically like my not mind snapped to the to the episode in, in legion where um that's the the refrain there so i don't know it it was good it was very good <laughs> but, um you know maybe in light of another successful tv series that used that phrase they should have used a different phrase (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh generation gone you want to talk about that yeah so this is the book from image written by or the story written by cot alice alice cot coat i i even googled these names like the how to pronounce and they have youtube clips for all these names and it's still you know i'm not from poland i can't whatever (laughs) (laughs) and the other the other artist who also worked on the story was portuguese um araujo (laughs) i don't speak portuguese either me either so anyway their story their script their art um and i don't know i mean the the basic gist is there's these three hackers and uh baldwin nick and elena who you know hack into darpa and uh, then there's the guys who work at DARPA Storyline, Mr. Akio, and he's mm-hmm. got this utopia project, and it's kind of building towards this this end where these two storylines um, collide. Uh, yeah, which, uh, I mean, I saw coming from the beginning. Right. I mean, what else would they be doing, right? Right. Um, I'm going to say I'll, I'll give this one more, bo- one more book. Yeah. It wasn't that ultimately I didn't, like the ideas i'm not sure that i like the way that it's written i I mean in the idea so i feel like this sounds really like fussy of me but you kind of know that the main character is going to be this girl elena and she has absolutely no agency to begin with and i get that that's part of the story that she starts out like really not believing in herself and she doesn't um and she sort of is beholden to her asshole boyfriend and but like it's it's a lot like it's it comes on a little strong it makes you not respect her as a character i get what they're trying to do as like you know this woman feels powerless and you know, women can be more and that they're trying to do this like female story, but it feels gross. Yeah. I mean, the relationship with the boyfriend, Nick is definitely, I mean, and it's not unintentional. Like it's obviously he's emotionally abusive, um, in a, a disturbing way in a couple different parts of the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I guess that they're, I, I get it. They're men who are trying to be like, we get it, women. You, We want to write a story about women um, where the woman is, is the main character who is um, like the power figure. But I feel like they, they got the subtleties wrong. That's what I was going to say or ponder. Yeah. If, if they just... Um missed missed the mark in, yes in those subtle ways so i appreciate the effort but it still feels icky yeah <laughs> um i don't know i like the art 
yeah. the way the, the pages were laid out and the, I mean, that art style is not necessarily my favorite kind of Frank quietly esque uh, a little bit. Um, but it was good for the story. And, uh, I don't know, basically there's this code that, yeah, they're all going to be superheroes. I get it. Yeah, but, or the dudes are dead. Like I don't know. <laughs> like, but I don't think that that's really what's. But I don't know. But yeah. I feel like it could go a couple ways. Dudes are dead, or the one dude is dead, and the boyfriend is not dead, and then he becomes like her super nemesis. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. The more we talk about it, I mean, the less I even want to get to issue two yeah Yeah, i didn't put it on our poll so it's uh, problematic it was a um it was an impulse buy at the store i guess we'll see we can decide when the next issue comes out if we're gonna get it i'm a little bit tired of the role of the and this is doesn't come from us living in a military life but the role of like the military being like evil and Mm -hmm. the like i mean that's just overdone so like this general right is basically like no you listen to me and whatever i'm gonna put my foot down and we're done war 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 and weapons weapons (laughs) weapons and you listen you do what i say or you're out of a job i don't care who you are i'm the big general mean man Hmm. i'm tired of that um cliched character with the buzz cut i just am Oh, we, I mean, odd transition. We don't need to talk about it much. We've, we watched, I mean, this is like our, our summer of movies, but mm-hmm. we watched Dr. Strangelove, oh, which yeah. was amazing. That was amazing. Um, I can't believe I had never seen it before. I can't believe you I've hadn't either. I've seen a lot of, you know, those classic kind of movies, but this one was uh, uh, very entertaining. It just, the buzz cut general made me think of, mm-hmm. um, made me think of it. But anyway, um, so Generation Gone was, was okay. Well, We'll move on <laughs> right. to, to a couple of the movies that are, you know, I guess it's July, halfway through the year. Um, and the mo- movies that we watched and that we're talking about are um, already, you know, being discussed as a couple of the best of the year so far. Which is interesting, especially with the first one, The Big Sick, that we had to drive 45 minutes to go see because it wasn't. Um, playing at our close theater (laughs) right um it was worth it uh it was we've both been looking forward to seeing it it was a limited release it wasn't even in town for the first couple weeks and um i don't know it's a kamel nanjiani and emily v gordon wrote basically their um like an autobiography (laughs) of their yeah uh relationship and uh directed by judd apatow of you know fame yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting um i mean first of all the movie's great really good cast which we can talk about Uh, it's interesting that it's being talked of as like a a contender for like best picture because it's it's basically a a romantic comedy yes and you don't you don't see that kind of um recognition for those movies i mean because and obviously this one is just, it's different. It's got a lot of other stuff going on in okay. it. So I love a, a romantic comedy. They're typically very problematic though, because, you know, you have an hour and 45 minutes of, 
boy meets girl. They they have a relationship. Something goes wrong. They realize they love each other. Then they're right. getting engaged. I mean, and that is what happens in this movie. Yes and no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they don't get engaged at the end of this movie. Right. But they're together. Yes. And, you know, just but from real life that they are The thing married. is about the traditional romantic comedy, it's... It's more superficial. And I love a romantic comedy. Right. They're supposed to be light and fun and like just make you feel good and happy about love. Like yeah. that's what you go for. But this does that. The Big Sick does that, but also has so many deeper layers about real life and real people and real people's yeah, problems um... and emotions and issues that get in the way of two people coming together. It really does just have a lot more to say about relationships and about culture and people's relationships to their to their culture to their families and all mm -hmm. that um so kamel nanjiani is in it plays himself um kind of his maybe breakout um role yeah. i guess I mean, he's, I mean he's been in he's in silicon valley which is awesome and he's hilarious in that but he's got a you know a smaller part um what do you yeah, mean you guess? I mean, he's been in things, sure, but like the lead of a very successful yeah. movie is, no, I guess it's, it, it's different, right. okay. not as different as it maybe used to be mm -hmm. um, with the way the quote unquote industry is changing mm -hmm. <laughs> as we are in the know on. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He, I mean, uh, he's great in, in the movie Zoe Kazan plays Emily V. Gordon's, you know, his mm -hmm. uh, love interest. I don't know. I mean, the title, The Big Sick, she she falls ill after they break up and he's has to deal with um, her parents, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, who are hilarious. Um, right. And, I mean, all the characters are, I mean, there's a ton of characters too. His family, um, his Pakistani family and, and the pull that they have um, in his life. All the characters are just really flushed out, I think, really well um, for it being a probably mm -hmm. less than two hour romantic comedy-ish movie. Mm -hmm. What else do you think like sets the movie apart that, that makes it so, so different? It's, I mean, it it's tough to pinpoint. You follow Kamel's journey with, you know, grappling the dating world and his home life and his home life dating world. I don't know. It's the, the humor and the way that the rapport that he has with his friends and his family is really, it, it just, it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel overwritten. Yeah. And the comedy is subtle, um, yeah. but like really pops and, how does it do both? I don't know because I'm not a comedian, but yeah. like, you know, I mean the movie has, yeah, yeah, he's, I mean, he's definitely got some timing. That's yeah. <laughs> his, uh, the movie just, I mean, it does have a lot to say about, um, immigrant families and second generation, uh, Americans, Americans from an immigrant family. And, you know, there's the whole, his parents are trying to set him up, you know, at, in an arranged marriage as they do in their culture. And, they want him to follow all the, um, you know, religious rules that they abide by. And, you know, they tell him to go down and pray and he goes down and sets up the, 
sets up the prayer rug and and then just kind of hangs out and does stuff down there till his timer goes off and right. he can go back upstairs. And um, I don't know some of the the humor. I mean, we we were on our way to the movie when I uh, brought up this this nine eleven joke that I had heard was just hilarious in in the movie and you were like oh i saw it in the in the trailer and i was like really <laughs> it's like i don't think so um but what we saw was was the setup i saw someplace described it as the citizen kane of 9-11 jokes and, <laughs> um mean, that is not inaccurate <laughs> I, I mean it was it was so surprising and so funny I couldn't stop laughing for oh, like five minutes. I know. In the, in the Literally. Almost, in, there, you there might was, have missed some things that happened after that because it was. I do want to see it again. But. <laughs> I did think um, just going back to other things like relationship wise that I liked in it. The the big fight scene, you know, um, where things sort of come to a head with the with the relationship with Kumail and, and Emily. Before she gets sick. Yes. Is was really interesting. Um, the one line that's I probably the only one that I really remember, um, is when you know, in the heat of of this argument and them trying to understand where the other is coming from and trying to get the other person to understand where where they are coming from, and Kumail says, you know, you know what they call arranged marriage in my country, or marriage, right. and I mean, it's interesting. To think of it that way, because it doesn't need that ad adjective that doesn't that, you know, no. um, I don't know that just it that sticks out like those kinds of I think it does a really good job of, of you getting to sympathize with both characters. Yeah. And there's no like bad guy or someone who makes like a really huge mistake necessarily. Right. Like, it's while very he real made, life. Yeah. And while he made like he may be made a mis messed up. Mm hmm. It's, it's not an unreasonable mess up. Right. He's just, he's pulled between what he wants and what, what his family wants. He, he tells her, I, I can't lose my family. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's a powerful movie and mm -hmm. it, it's Very. hilarious. And I don't know, it was really good. Um, and then we went to see Dunkirk. Yes. Which was also very powerful. Very good. Not not hilarious. No. <laughs> no. Which I think we mentioned this earlier. We're not really like there are people who like the war movies as a genre. Right. They get excited about war movies and that's not us. No. We went to this because we were excited about Christopher Nolan movies. And and I think I mean originally I was just going to wait. Right. You know, we have a decent sized television, right. you know, like I didn't feel like I needed to have the theater experience for this, which is actually like anti what Christopher Nolan is right. about. But, <laughs> but you know, like just in general, the war movies, it don't appeal to me enough to spend the extra money to go to the theater yeah. to watch it. So we should talk maybe just briefly first about the different versions of this movie that are right out. which is actually why i i suggested hey let's go you know there's this showing it's close to us right it's at a good time like maybe we should do it so christopher nolan like um i mean uh, not too many i think directors have the pull to get this done but like quentin tarantino he prefers to shoot a movie on film um which uh, a lot of theaters aren't even equipped to project film movies anymore. So 
Um, but he shot this and I think it's like 75% of it was in, uh, in IMAX and, um, he shot it on 65 millimeter. And so there's like four different versions of the movie. You can see, you can see like the regular digital projection. You can see the 35 millimeter, which is what we saw. And then you can, it's shot on 65, but you can see it projected in 70 millimeter or 70 millimeter IMAX. And, you know, I read this Vox article that breaks down all the different ways that that's going to change the movie for you. I don't think we need to get into all that here. I definitely want to see it in 70 millimeter IMAX before it goes away. Where can we? Uh, Is it at the, the Palladium? Yeah. Oh, okay. The, um, I was so, wondering about it. Yeah. So there's like also different kinds of IMAX, right? They don't have like the, the IMAX, like the four story screen. Like that they would have be, in Providence. Right. Okay. Which would, I think be Let's the just best fly up way to, to Providence. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else to do. Is there the, one in like Houston? I don't, I don't know. We could look. I mean, we could find out. Uh, I mean, we probably have to, if we wanted to see this at a, at a screen like that, we would have to find out pretty quick. But because mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, even a big movie like this probably is not going to be on a screen like that for too long. Right. So the the movie itself, I mean, as far as the 70 millimeter, obviously the picture is huge. Um, you know, all kinds of information and beautiful um, shots and... Um, just watching something on film is, is going to look amazing projected that big. And we, we talked about it a little bit. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to say how much different it would look digitally projected from what we saw in just the 35 millimeter. Um, it is cool to watch, to hear the, the film reel, you know, spooling up and then you see the, like the little mark when they're changing the reels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh yeah i don't know the movie itself so it was a really good experience yeah and it felt rich and gritty which i think is the intention yeah Um, definitely and you know i'm not as much as i like movies i'm not like a cinephile i'm not i don't have the knowledge or the appreciation for all of the subtleties involved with the movie making industry. Right. Um, but this was such a good experience. No. The so, score. Yeah. Oh, were you going to bring something? Well, else no, up I was just going to say, um, I was just going to say as, as a, a Christopher Nolan film, it, you know, and even in the, uh, the stuff that Alamo draft house plays before the movie, they mm-hmm. show the influences on this movie. And then, um, also point out how Christopher Nolan's movies play with time a lot. And as far as like Memento or Interstellar or any number of other movies that he made, um, this one does the same thing. And it took us a while to even figure it out that, um, even though it says it right on the screen, as far as how time is, uh, either condensed or playing out in the movie for the three different, mm-hmm. um, storylines i guess one is the mole which i found out is like a concrete barrier that protects the harbor yeah um and that plays out over a week then there's the air or the sea which these civilian boats um plays out over a day and then the air which is tom hardy flying in his awesome plane for an hour Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah you have these three these three storylines taking place in in different time frame yeah and they all sort of converge at the end yeah and you were saying 
So, well, I guess briefly, if anybody doesn't know, just based on the trailers that most people have probably seen, Dunkirk is about, I mean, Allied troops in World War II were stuck on this beach with no way to 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 get off, trapped by, you know, German soldiers and um, and 400,000 Allied soldiers are, are stranded there and they need these people to win the war. Obviously, that's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of military. Um, but yeah, you were, you were going to say something about the score, which is Hans Zimmer, who does all Christopher Nolan movies. And I mean, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. It's intense very and intense. Biting. Yeah. Like, and there's this constant it, tick, like a clock, like the time yes. is just, uh, it pulls you in emotionally so much, um, like to the point where I'm leaning forward and like covering my face. Yeah, I saw you, know? you doing that a, a few times, which is, I mean, that's not how you watch movies. Like you're yeah. just not usually that um, invested in what's happening, right? I guess so, so that you're physically compelled to do, <laughs> to react in in some way. At some points, it was almost it was almost too much. I thought, yes. Um, and I'm sure that was intentional. Yeah. I but, mean, because you're really, I mean, you're, you're getting the feel of, of this, of claustrophobia. You're in this tiny plane with this pilot. You're in the hull of a boat drowning. You're, um, and then also you have these big sprawling scenes of the beach with just a gajillion people and, or you know the the ocean just wide and expansive around you um and it goes back and forth between these two spatial yeah. feelings um and the music the score really like intensifies those feelings mm-hmm. i mean so this as uh, a war movie is is very different also yeah it doesn't, it doesn't really follow that pattern um, of of sort of like any kind of movie really right i mean there's not there's no um character development as far as like backstory and why you should feel a certain way about these people these people are all just trying to survive this this world which i mean and it's real um Mm -hmm. it's not there's no big twist right um, I think I honestly, I only know one character's name. Right. George. And I mean, I was looking at the credits on IMDb and like most of the people, like they uh, don't have Killian names? Murphy is, is like shivering soldier. <laughs> and like, you know, and like, um, they all even sort of look enough alike that they blend into, to one character. Like you, I think I need to see it again to like yeah. follow even better you know, who's who and who's doing what. And I, and I think that that is intentional. I'm it's, it's all one man is all these men. Right. You know, and and it's hard, it's hard to capture exactly what it would feel like to have 400,000 people stuck somewhere. And I think, you know, they do a really good job of, of that and making it look, um, I mean, it's beautiful and, you know, terrifying all at the same time. I mean, when they're all like huddled together on those, um, docks uh, on the docks and Mm -hmm. their helmets and they're all trying to, all they can do is duck for cover when they're being attacked by these planes. There's nowhere to go. Um, and there's no enemy. The the enemy is hidden. Like, you know who the enemy is, but you never really see them. They could be anywhere at any time. 
mm-hmm. bullets or bullet holes or the planes flying overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't know. It's very monochromatic. You know, everything is gray green, beach color, so like beige, and then the ocean, <laughs> beach color. Beige. No, I was like, we just watched that episode of Bob's Burgers, <laughs> paint the town beige. Oh, because <laughs> the mother was or the wife was um, upset Linda. with their day yeah. night. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. Um, and then occasionally there are like just a few splotches of color like on the boat with the 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 main boat that we're following um with the civilians um like george's sweater has some color on it like a little and then also like the jam and bread down in the um but like other than that nothing like it all feels very gray no but not in a way that's boring or yeah it's, it's just a very interesting movie like you know you don't have all the typical trappings of characters in a movie, but you still care for the people that are, are, you know, in the movie. Um, even just like small character arcs, like the, was it George? Was he the son on the boat or was he the, the other kid? Yeah. But like, um, Mark Rylance is, you know, the boat, pilot i don't know can't call him a captain it's just his boat he's going to dunkirk to try to save these people if you own a boat you're the captain <laughs> Fine. Uh, didn't we grow up in a boating community i thought you'd know that yeah <laughs> i was there my whole life <laughs> <laughs> all right whatever um and then you know tom hardy and the scenes with with him and in, in his plane were pretty amazing um like the the dog fight the way that the action in that plane was shot i thought was um also something different than mm-hmm. kind of the way i'd seen that before and it looked amazing everything and, with this movie was also very traditionally shot like no it wasn't like yeah fancy, practical effects and yeah, stuff like that um which is really impressive yeah um but i don't know it was I don't know how much more you want to get into Dunkirk, but it was really good. And I'd like to see it again. I Um, would too. We should Google where the. Yeah. Or we could just, I mean, we can see it IMAX 70 millimeter at, at the theater down the street. Um, I was looking for a reason to get out of town (laughs) for a night. I mean, we can check it out, see where maybe in Austin. So um, I guess that'll probably wrap it up though. Yeah. We are on Facebook. Uh, I'm not going to plug all the stuff, but I have been trying to at least I'm trying to pick like a social media platform and post there more often than um, never. So, <laughs> you know, so, so people should should like our page there, and then um, you know get our infrequent updates. But <laughs> uh, I guess that'll do it. We'll wrap it up. <laughs> uh, it was fun. It was smart. We liked it. <laughs>